Hey guys, I'm uh, going to do a podcast today and a vlog at the same time on um, the death of one of my favourite brands. Um, one that I kind of really, really looked up to and I'll go into detail about that. And uh, why I think it's quite you know, quite a sad story about their, their bankruptcy now. And that's not to say that they weren't, you know, a massive company and they, they were, you know... Very far from being the plucky upstart, so there's no kind of like, you know, I, th I think they they went for seven years in the end, so they had quite a good innings. Now, the um, the streetwear industry, such as it is, is quite quite a hard 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 thing to break into, and I and I had my own brand um, called Black Mass back in the day, and that's kind of what I did, and it took me all around the world, and I'm super grateful for it. When I discovered this brand Polar. It was really exciting for me because they were kind of like a, a, a grown-up brand that was still kind of silly and simple and I think accessible. Now we're going from this kind of strange phase at the moment where brands like um, the outdoor brands, tech brands, let's talk about um, Patagonia and the North Face. I, I love Patagonia and I, I have some North Face gear too. You can go down the high street today, you see uh, kids who would never be climbing a mountain wearing wearing it, which is unusual. But I think that um, you know the, the the rules and morals behind Patagonia are, are so excellent that I think it's a really positive thing that people are vicariously doing these kind of good things, even if they don't know they're doing them. So that's that's nice. When when we first started sick. Um, me and um, Tim read um, "Let My People Go Surfing" by Eve Shoniard, and I do I do dis dissect it quite a lot because there's certainly some great stories in there, and there's some great momentum and lots of challenging topics. Like um, you can run organic cotton, but it ends up being more destructive to the environment. So how do you how do you kind of balance those things? And there, there's lots of how to manage staff and we always discussed you know that that they had the right the right attitude towards it that if you treat your staff very well you don't need to worry about your customers because your staff will look after your customers obviously i'm sure some of you guys would disagree that we do that but we do try our best but this isn't about my brand, although I'll talk a bit about the story of me and my wife as well in this, and hopefully it be interesting. So, Polar, to us, I, I was actually, I, I thought they were a UK-based enterprise, but they, they weren't. They were a, a US-based enterprise, and what I really liked about them was that their products were about I think I've jokingly called them Coachella North Face before because they made streetwear products that always had an outdoorsy slant to them. So it was kind of like, um, let's get out into the great outdoors. And there was loads of throwbacks to kind of hippie counterculture and that kind of... How many of you guys like the idea of just shrugging off everything you're doing and hitting the road, you know? Just your bag packed and kind of this romantic imagery. And I really like that about the brand. In fact, I loved 
almost everything about the way that they had their media and how that it kind of encapsulated this free spirit. The difference is that most outdoors brands overload you with kind of tech and are very costly. And in fact, I reckon one of the reasons that North Face and Patagonia are so pro popular with with um, with people who wouldn't usually wear it is because it's kind of a status symbol that how much this stuff costs. And stuff's an important word. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, there was a few Polar products that I loved beyond anything. Some of them were just nonsensical. For no good reason, they made a vintage motocross jersey and... Now, because they've gone under and I can't find it, I'm never going to get one of those. That sucks. I, I really liked it. But also, their, their, their biggest product that, you know, that I per personally bought more than one of was the knapsack. Now, in an article I read today, this is why I actually did the podcast and the vlog, was because this article today was scathing on the brand. And once again, we're going to go into detail more. But one of the things they said is they felt that Polar made stupid products like the knapsack who were clearly aimed at no one. The knapsack is a brilliant product. In fact, I now can't wait to try and make one myself because I would have never done that before, you know, because I wouldn't infringe on their, their product. I don't know if they're the originator of this and the actual idea is kind of stupid, but when you actually have one, it's brilliant. What is a knapsack? It's a sleeping bag with instead of feet, a drawstring and it has two zips on your shoulders you can put your arms out of so you can wear it it's like a hoodie you can actually tuck it up in on itself and you can kind of you know like like walk around the camp and what it made was this amazing garment that was clearly aimed towards people that were either at festivals at the beach or out camping who wanted something for the in-between period of being sober enough to decide what to do and going to sleep. So, you know, you can imagine getting yourself in your camp chair, you know, and you've got your knapsack on sitting around the fire, too many, you know, swigs from the box of wine and a bit of bud, and you kind of crawl your way into your tent, and you just got to slide your legs up in it, put your arms in, and go sleepy. Me and Tim used to love them because when we were in the first year of sick we were like going around and we used to sleep in the back of the transit van with the bikes because we couldn't afford accommodation and it was good because you didn't have to go out of the, you know you didn't have to get out of bed to go for a wee or get a coffee on so i have my 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 attachment to it is uh is obscene how much i love my knapsack and in fact a great error occurred and uh what what happened was uh I put it in the washing machine because the dog threw up on me on it and it actually made itself into a ball that I can no longer get undone <laughs> so I can't even I can't even use my knapsack now because I was stupid and left it all unzipped and it made what can only be described as a giant orange testicle so <laughs> there you go um that was the downfall of the knapsack um I I love I love that product and that was that was one of the things that annoyed uh, whoever, whatever journalist was making this kind of bankruptcy hearing kind of things and throwing money at stupid products. But really, it's what, what put them you know put them to the side to me and made me feel more akin with them, not less akin with them. Also, the article went into detail where they really hated Polar calling everything stuff. Ah, it's camping stuff. It's you know that kind of you know like outdoor stuff. It's so technical 
it's so so technical and of course it is because if you're climbing Everest or Kilimanjaro or you're in the Antarctic or Arctic everything you're doing is a life-death situation but there's a shade of grey between that what about your guys that are going up bikepacking or going to a festival it's still camping you're still outside and what they did is they kind of they kind of made camping for everyone and 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 I know that people can go, oh, camping is for everyone, what are you talking about? But what I mean is, it allowed a subsect of people who wouldn't even think about going into the outdoors to kind of do it. And I think that's really nice. That's kind of amiable. And yeah, they were making money. They were monetizing people going outside. Well done. But that's a really great thing to do. And I, re you know, I, I enjoyed the whole facet of it. What, what is kind of... It's maddening to me is that that people couldn't understand that that was a thing. You know, they were the bridge between outdoors wear and tech wear and stuff like that. And they demystified it all. It was like, it's a sleeping bag good enough for outside. It's a hoodie. It's a, you know. And the whole message of everything, which I love, was overwhelmingly positive. And we have, at the moment, in my opinion companies monetizing sadness and there's a big deal at the moment like go to H&M they have a t-shirt just says depressed unhappy boring you know and it's like the even like I, I work in the tattoo industry and there's a lot of a lot of sadness and it's very fashionable to be sad there's a lot of SoundCloud rappers that people are making a lot of money out of and monetizing their sadness and and these guys are, are killing themselves they're suicide they're overdosing on prescription drugs you know and that's very very sad whereas this brand was overwhelmingly positive it was cool and positive how many times can you say that you actually see a cool positive brand not many you know and of course like my own brands have always centered around misery and sadness of course they have i'm an outstandingly bleak person deep down you know but this made me happy it was kind of weird so here's here's the the, the bit people were trying to um that they're trying to dissect what what went wrong with the brand you know what what happened you know and and you can't i think you can't point at the products i think you've got a, this is a case of like icarus you know they cl they flew too close to the sun we skipping back into streetwear for us we've always been cautious around ourselves to realize that fake it till you make it is a real thing you have to believe that you're doing the thing and we would see our friends with their brands around us and there would always be the utmost jealousy of how they were operating they always seemed to be doing better than us you know you'd be like hey man I sold 30 t-shirts this week and they're like 30 well I wouldn't be shifting those units you know like I'm doing 300 a week and you're like really 300 that's slow and you feel so bad you're like oh, no I'm not doing so well and you look on their Instagram and there's pictures of them and they've like, got a sports car and they're like yeah yeah just got the new whip for the weekend you're like a sports car I've just got a sports car. I haven't even got a car. You know, and you have this kind of failure fixation where you feel like, wow, maybe I'm not doing that great. You know, and I thought I was. You know, and I was, I was obsessed with success in the streetwear and clothing industry. And I followed it to the end of the earth. I really did. My daughter was 
just like maybe two years old when I first went away for a trade show in, in the States. And actually I did Berlin Fashion Week and then I went straight to Los Angeles to do both of those. When, when I came back from them, I said, I don't really want to do this anymore. Because I saw the level that it took to have the influence. And I thought, I don't want to make that sacrifice. I don't want to be this guy. Everyone's there like like throwing handshakes and gang signs at each other. I mean, they're all like 40-year-old white men, you know. And they're like, sup, y'all? Get on that grussel. Get that bread. Get on that paper. And you're like, uh, yeah, um, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and it's... It's kind of, you, you feel outside. I know it's such a challenging environment. So I don't think that anyone can come with their acumen and talk about what they're actually doing or what they think that's happening unless they've been in the rack trade themselves. I'll tell you exactly what my feeling is what happened to this brand. They grew too quick, quickly and assumed that the growth would keep going. And if they took investors on board, those investors, and it, and it always, it always surprises me how stupid investors can be is that brands have that bump you know the takeoff but you've got to realize that takeoff kind of goes new and then they might climb or they might fall a little bit because you have the instance of call at the start the beginning part where you are cool and then you have the kind of risk element drops off the normalization the brand is now safe you know you know that when you order something from them it's going to come and then you have kind of the, the internal fight with the brand where the growth starts going like that and everyone's learning new things. They don't know what they're doing. Polar and Cumulus up for seven years and the growth's going up and they're making, they're making some interesting things. They're making like a, it cast iron like pots and pans to take camping with you and, you know, and they're pushing the envelope. We know those suppliers and manufacturers are pushing for larger and larger minimum order quantities. They start to see you as a cash cow. And the investors push you to do it. If you buy that, you know, if you buy 10,000 of those instead of 5,000, we get a much better rate. And it's like, I don't know if I can sell 10,000 of those. Oh, you'll never sell 10,000 of those if you don't, you know, and everything's going to be a tax write-off and everything's going to be okay. And you listen to those voices and you think, yeah, well, okay. And, and we don't get caught up in that because we've seen so many of our friends and people we know fail. The guys that were living outside their lifestyle, like outside their means with their lifestyle, they forget that it's an act. And you can never forget that it's an act. Because the minute you do, that's when the trouble comes. Because when you start, you, you try to be super confident, you try and do everything to make sure that people know that you know what you're doing. And then eventually you do know what you're doing. And then you start to be successful. But the problem is, is that you already said you were that successful when you were here. So now you're here. The thing is, you kind of want to appear to be this successful. But the barrier to entry of this success is so much higher. This is when people start opening shops. It's always the same thing. We open a high rent bricks and mortar shop. And in 2018, 2019, that's as good as a suicide note. You don't need retail like that. What they should have done is built some kind of small festival or outdoor hub or something like that that would have sat with the brand, not opening an expensive bricks and mortar store. But that's not their problem. I mean, it's not their fault. 
they, they would have been advised that that would have been the best thing to solidify the brand, when the brand didn't even need solidifying in the first place. It was doing pretty well. On top of that, people who looked at this brand with excitement just a few years ago for doing something different are now looking at them as they failed and going, the reason they failed is because they did something different. And that's not true. The reason they failed is they made the same mistakes every other rag company makes. You listen to your peers and believe their hype talk and start to apply it to yourself. And the minute you forget that it applies to you too, you'll get sucked in. You make the same stupid mistakes. I, I, I hope that we end up with, with good brands that have a positive message and don't kind of crap out on this just because Polar fell up the last fence. But I feel like they had a good run anyway. And I, I, they, I can't remember the founder's name, but I think he's got cool ideas and I'm sure something new will come out. He stepped out of the brand in November. Now, that speaks volumes to me and I kind of feel like it's probably that they were saying one of two things. Either this is going to go under or I think that you guys are going to drive this under. So I'm going to walk before that happens. Much like uh, much like Instagram at the moment. You know, it's been Facebooked all over. So I rue for the loss of, of this brand. If I take anything from it, I can't wait to make a knapsack. And if it takes out my own company, then <laughs> then it was my own fault. On top of that, we, we actually discovered Polar through having our own clothing brand that me and my wife had called Cold Coast. And we were way too early with that idea. We wanted an accessible outdoors clothing thing because my, my wife's brother, Jake, he's like an avid climber. And, and when we go to Wales, we spent every single summer and winter, you know, like holiday, climbing and in the outdoors and messing around in the woods and we wanted something that reflected that but we just we really struggled to to, to put it out and then when we saw polar we sort of almost took the wind out of ourselves even more and gone wow that's what we should have done that's how we should have hit it so it's sad to see them go and i find them massively inspirational and and i i'd urge you if you have the time and the acumen to go and go and hunt down interviews with their old, old owner and i hope i hope that they haven't left loads of creditors and, and stuff like that and people in the lurch and people without money in their jobs because that's the hardest bit of any of these failures is the people that are most affected by it are the people that can't afford to be affected by it. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the overriding concept of the brand. It's the thing that I care about. So I hope that was of interest. And if you have any questions, you can always shoot me one. Have a good weekend.